He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. We have a great guest today. We are joined now by Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report. He also wrote uh, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Uh, Previously came on the show and talked about that book and about tanking and all of that. And all we've seen since is uh, Ben Simmons not play at all this year for for, uh, the 76ers, who kind of sort of inspired that book. And then uh, John Wall is has not played a game this year and that's kind of sort of sort of where i want to start it it's been kind of a popular trade topic especially after the christmas day game when uh russell westbrook uh shot over lifetime with uh especially in the key it felt like and the conversation about russell westbrook you have lakers fans saying that he hasn't been that bad or as bad as people are making it out to be you have people who cover the nba at large who say like good lord he it's just not stopping Russ doing Russ stuff. And it's reached a point now even where two people, uh, Sam Quinn and Kevin O'Connor, both wrote about a potential John Wall for Russell Westbrook trade. And I thought about it for a second. And I was like, well, yeah, I could see it if John Wall was exactly the player that he was last time we saw him. Problem is we haven't seen him in eight months. And, and on one hand, like for you, it has to be kind of fascinating to see a team just blatantly say like, now nah, we're not going to play a pretty good NBA player because we don't want to get that much better. And also because we have a player at his position who demands reps um, as he progresses. But like before we even get to the rumors aspect of that, how have you like watched this kind the, 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 the teams, in my opinion, do even more blatant stuff than the 76ers did back before the league stepped in? How are you watching all that? Yeah, it's uh, it's something that people in the league are talking about as well. Uh, I, I've heard I've heard the jokes, right? Like one of the when's when's Adam Silver going to call a Colangelo and send him to? <laughs> yeah, um, it's interesting. I think that there are interesting aspects in today's current NBA where I think the pandemic changed a lot um, in terms of this conversation with, especially last season and with 2020 in the bubble. Like mm-hmm. there weren't there weren't fans in the stands for half the season last year, so the the league was going to lose gate revenue regardless of the Thunder coming in and having a poor team. Um, yeah. Also, the Thunder and I, I I'm not sure about the Rockets. I would assume the Rockets, but the Thunder certainly don't pay into um, the tax revenue sharing system, right? Mm-hmm. Versus Philly, one of the biggest markets in in the country, um, they're absolutely expected to be paying like just like the Knicks, you know, printing money, paying no matter what. Yeah, into that revenue sharing pool to help teams like OKC. Um, so in the mom and pop shop Lakers, like you exactly. know, they, they got they got to help the bus family. Exactly. So I think that's also another aspect of why they've kind of flown under the radar a little bit. Um, how it relates to the Lakers, um, you know, I, I I know there's the popular Russ Wall, Russ John Wall discussion. I don't think that's in the cards necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. Him not playing for eight months is certainly the biggest aspect of it all. I think as bad as the Russ experiment has gone, he's not, you know, I, I wouldn't say he's 
uh, damage the chemistry or anything like that. But obviously, they were they made they they set out last off season, and by they, um, I'm going to say the Lakers cognoscenti, if you will, the Rambai. They they <laughs> sent out yeah they set out to find this third star this this playmaker who could. A, be the lead ball handler and push LeBron off the ball and take the burden off of his shoulders. And B, when he went to the bench or when Anthony Davis got hurt, like the stretch we're in now, they were going to have that number two guy anyway, kind of just like how the Nets have been able to withstand Kyrie being out. They thought Russ was going to be that James Harden type addition um, that the Nets got with James Harden. And he has not been that guy. So I understand why. James hasn't been that guy. <laughs> either, but the Nets yeah. were, you know, first place yeah. in the East right now. And Kevin Durant yeah. missed a, a bunch of the last couple of games in, in COVID protocols. Mm-hmm. So, um, and he's also just, his style of play is far more, um, I mean, it's still very, every time I watch the Nets game, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm always kind of jarred when, especially when KD is not in the court, that it's basically Harden and Houston all over again, but he's so, yeah. so much slower and less dynamic, and it's not as effective. But it's still damn effective, right? Yeah, um, he's still putting up. Like I was, I looked at his numbers the other day because I was arguing with someone about if he should be considered an All Star. I was like, he's kind of an All Star, like he really kind of is. Yeah. Um, and anyway, not that that really matters, but <laughs> with, the, with the Lakers, like yeah. Russ is, is not that. So I understand, and I know Lakers fans got really mad when I reported that they were, you know, having internal discussions about trading him. But any good front office is doing that. They're looking at their team right now and saying we're not in the top six. We're in danger of making the playoffs altogether, let alone being a home court advantage type team that we thought we were. Mm-hmm. So we have to look in the mirror. And we have to look at our options to get better outside of trading Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Russell Westbrook's not Anthony Davis or LeBron James. So like it only yeah. makes sense that those deals are being off considered but nothing's been offered yet from everything i've heard and when you look at the actual players that are on the board to get the john walls the kevin loves cj mccollum ben simmons none of the situations really make that much sense for the teams on the other side of the table either yeah i just don't know if there's a russell westbrook trade to be made here as much as it's you know something that i think can and should be discussed um i just don't know how far those conversations can even go the 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 Simmons stuff was kind of funny to me because, you know, the, the way that it was framed was, you know, the, the Lakers and Sixers, I believe you said had a conversation or, or, but that it didn't get very far. Was yeah. the conversation basically like, hi, um, Ben Simmons, how's he doing? It, you can't get him. And then it was over. Like, was that, how'd that, how'd that go down? So what I was told was that the Lakers called Philly um, and they said, you know, we're interested in Ben and, you know, to get there, it, it, it was a short conversation being that to get there, the only salary numbers that could match Ben Simmons, own expensive salary mm-hmm. is AD or LeBron or Russ's. I mean, you're not THT and um, Kendrick Nunn and a bunch of minimums aren't getting you there. Like the only way literally to get there contractually is to put in Russell Westbrook. And he's just not a player. The Sixers have a literal, tangible – I don't know how long it is, but it's somewhere between 24 and 30, a, a list of, of players that they would take mm. back for Ben Simmons. They do. And Damian Lillard's on it, and James Harden's on it, and Bradley Beal's on it, and Jalen Brown's on it, Che Gildas-Alexander's on it. 
like, I mean, you can think of the other guys who were obviously on there, you know, but mm-hmm. Scott's not coming available. Blah, blah, blah. Is Russ like 31? Like, is he? <laughs> I don't know. You know, someone, I went on a podcast someone recently and they asked me to like, like, how is the, is the list tiered? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I should, I should ask like the next time I get in touch with Philly, which you know, I'm not calling the top people in Philly every week to ask about Ben. Cause like, until I like, here, here's how my reporting process typically works. Like I talk mm-hmm. to my 10, 15 people I talk to every week regardless. And then depending on what comes up, you know, I make a couple of calls on people with those teams and people around the situations. And then when it comes time to like, all right, if I'm writing about this, like I'm like, if I'm writing about Philly, I'm calling the highest person I know in Philly. If I'm running about the Lakers, I'm calling the highest person I know in, in with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to like blow up and just say, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, is certain, he in like a range? Is like, <laughs> like, like Jake, the, stop calling. Like the 10 to 15 people you call every week are the people that, you know, they're calling you and it's, you, you know, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the next time I call someone in Philly, I, I want to I want to know if this list is, or I'm sure it's itemized. I'm sure it's ordered. Um, yeah. I don't want to say itemized. That's gets too like creepy asset management dialogue. But um, right, um, I'm, I want to know if there are tiers. Like, are there, are there, are there, is there anyone in this this seven guys is like our, our gold star tier? Then is it like I don't know, but I know that they have these all-stars that they want and Russell Westbrook's just not one of those guys. And it's someone who like they want to get someone, they recognize Joel Embiid as Joel Embiid, second runner up to MVP last year. He's 28. Um, not getting any younger. He's not getting any healthier. Like the window to win with him is now they want to trade Ben Simmons. They only want to trade Ben Simmons. They don't want to trade him at all. Like, they'd love for Ben to come back and play and, and be, part of that five-man lineup that and that and right. like people can say that i'm preparing water for the sixers right now like i genuinely believe that that's what they want yeah. sure if james harden became available like he did they're going to put ben simmons on the table to get a guy they think is better if dean gets you know requests his trade they're going after dean if bradley beal same thing but until one of those guys is there like ben simmons is their guy and um he's not doing that obviously which is why they're looking at these options, but until they get someone of that caliber, they're not going to move him, even if it takes beyond the season. And, and Russ just isn't in that stratosphere anymore. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's the kind of situation where we might have to get Nicholas cage on this, on this one, you know, see if there's maybe a map on the back of the list and, and all of that, and maybe that interests him. But, but yeah, I, I, it makes sense. Like that, that's the, that's, exactly the bed that the Lakers made, right? Was it was a it was a high risk, you know, high reward kind of trade that the Lakers made. And it was high. Yeah, it's it's also like it's a high risk, not just because well, if it doesn't work out, then it could get ugly. But also, it's extremely high risk, because if it didn't work out, then the Lakers weren't going to have any flexibility moving forward. Um, Another guy that kind of came up in in those trade talks or, or in those trade rumors and, and I guess even before we even get to more specific names here, but you know, it's said that the Lakers are active in trade talks and, and that's always a relative kind of term, right? They are making calls right now. Other teams, you know, are probably a little bit more happy with where they are. So they might even be kind of reluctant to pick up the phone, but like when, when it's said that the Lakers are active in trade talks, like how, how active is that actually? Is it like, is Palinka the the guy in your trade in, in your fantasy league who 
is just constantly bombarding people with bad trade ideas, hoping that somebody drunkenly at four in the morning says yes. Um, that was a good analogy. I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying it's app. Um, I think, mm -hmm. first of all, the trade calls were picking up across the league right up until – I'm going to pull my calendar. I've lost track of time. Right up until like December – 12th, 13th, 14th, right? Like two yeah. years ago when the Omicron variant picked up. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I really felt it at Showcase in Vegas last week when I was there. Um, there just there was nothing to talk about in terms mm -hmm. of actual trade chatter being that every single team is just scrambling to find hardship exemption players. Yeah. And at this point, you know, the top players in that pool are gone. Like Alfonso McKinney goes like that to Chicago or wherever so he signed with. I'm pretty sure it's Chicago mm -hmm. um, because mm -hmm. he was the top guy. And then you have the other guys with NBA experience or the former lottery picks like Nick Stauskas who just go, Lance Stevenson types. Um, then like now we're at the point where you know, those two guys got pulled off of the Charlotte Greensboro uh, swarm. Um, McGriff and uh, Xavier Sneed. I, I don't know if McGriff's – first name off the top of my head, but like two like six eight wing type guys who are just like studs, two way mm -hmm. two way type threats. Like the shooting is probably a question mark, but they can defend right now at the NBA level. Um like to decide between those guys and like I don't know, this guy Cameron Young on on Memphis on the hustle who was scoring like 30 points a game or like Gabe York. Like mm -hmm. that that takes attention to detail and like a 10 day stretch in the NBA is a like life-changing amount of money for certain play not life-changing but like to the point where like you don't have to worry about your 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 next year of money like a 10-day contract doubles your salary imagine right now you can double your salary in 10 days mm -hmm. like, you wouldn't have to worry about your next couple rent checks mortgage payments like whatever you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. so, a like that's the type of money that you have to recognize your hand in these guys b you need to win games right now you need to find the exact piece that, that can help you get past Minnesota on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, and you have to balance like whatever you see with, from that player with are, is he worth keeping around and potentially placing with a current player? Exactly, we've seen that in a couple of situations so far. So, yeah, or um, there's someone else too. Um, Davon Reed in Denver, like, has been talked about as someone mm -hmm. that stick around there's another player too i'm trying to i'm blanking i mean i'm, I'm hoping that stanley johnson sticks around with the lakers like yeah. that's <laughs> bikes in indiana are sticking around um so like that's i mean that like literally that was the theme of it's funny like before bleach report like really pushed me out into the, the forefront of trying to you know uncover these trends and what people are talking about in the nba um, you know, but hear all this stuff behind the scene. The reason I'm able to do this now is like I was doing it already. I just wasn't writing it. Yeah. Because um, it is kind of nerve wracking to be like, <laughs> no one else has this, but I'm putting it out there. But right. like um, mm -hmm. now I've gotten to the point where, you know, I'm called when you make the calls, like, you know, like you're good. Mm -hmm. But it was weird around Vegas that everyone just kept saying, like, yeah, there's nothing going on. There's nothing going on. I was like, am I getting punked right now? Like, <laughs> Like, did yeah. everyone in the NBA just kind of decide that, like, we're not telling the media or any reporters, like, what it we're kind of makes sense, about. though. We're using COVID to be a cover up, but no, like, literally anyone I've talked to the last mm -hmm. two weeks, 
I mean, any agent you call, like, they're like, I'm trying to get this guy a 10-day contract. Like, it's ridiculous he hasn't gotten called up yet. Like, they're getting yeah. mad now. Like, agents are getting mad now about a market that literally didn't exist two weeks ago. They're like, mm-hmm. how come no one – like, you're telling, you're telling me so-and-so isn't good enough for a 10-day hardship exemption? Right. Um, well, these are weird spots that only happen on, like, a Tuesday night because this guy tested positive. Like, it's a yeah. whole bizarre, but, like, of course people are getting – our players get down on themselves because they're not getting that call up yet when it's, like, it's not January 5th. Like, this, yeah. this is a historic unprecedented – I'm rambling here. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it, to- yeah. it totally makes sense because it's, it's, a, it's something that nobody would have predicted heading into this season. Like, the, maybe somebody predicts that COVID affects the season in some way, shape, or form. Whether that would lead to, like you said, a unprecedented market. I, I think right now the, the, the league has right now broken the record for most NBA players in a single season. Yeah. And we haven't gotten to the next calendar year. So like, yeah. it, and, it, and it totally makes sense that when it comes to trade chatter, the other thing too is, and the Lakers are seriously facing this because, you know, Anthony Davis is going to be out for, for another few weeks and he's going to come back. If he comes back right at the four week mark, that gives the Lakers two and a half, three ish weeks or so before the trade deadline to make a decision on Taylor Horton Tucker, on Kendrick Nunn, on, on whatever, uh, with, with what they want to do to fix this roster. And that data is just going to be extremely flawed because at no point yeah. really before then have they had a, ha, have they had a sustained kind of, uh, decent <laughs> data yeah. sample to, to figure out what they're going to do. And all these teams are going to have that. Yeah. I see what you're saying with the Lakers in particular, if you don't know right now how you think about Taylor Horton Tucker, then yeah, then you deserve, then you don't deserve your job. Like <laughs> that's fair, I guess. Like, yeah. I don't know how much like sure you, you haven't seen um, your, your team really at full strength here, mm-hmm. but they haven't given you any signs of belief that, at full strength, they'd be anything. Like, does anyone in that Lakers organization remember back in the? This is kind of. I was going to make this comparison earlier when they were talking about like this is a Lakers type move, right? Trading for Russ. Like, to me, mm-hmm. it's not the same, but it's very reminiscent of the 2012 2013 year when they go out and got yeah uh, Nash and Dwight. The Dwight Mayor. Mm-hmm. Like it's basically the same exact thing where they needed to have the next big man, and it wasn't Bynum and. It was Dwight, and even with the back concerns and um, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, and the one year before free agency, like, it put all this pressure to stop, whatever. Very different situation. But um, I, I think going forward, like, the, 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 that, that Lakers team back then in 2012-13, there was always this sense of, well, once we get healthy, like, once we get Kobe back, once we get this, like, we're going to – bounce ourselves back to the top of the con and like we're gonna go it's very hard to go from what the Warriors just did basically going from an eight seed to you know a title contender like that's not easy to do and what the way the Warriors were able to do that was they simultaneously grew young players while then adding in veteran pieces like Andre mm-hmm. Godal and Otto Porter and you know those types well, of focusing on wings like them. wings are such an easy ingredient yeah. to just throw into the stew but they grew you know they grew jordan Poole and jta helps them a lot um like the lakers let go of alex caruso for example right like that's mm-hmm. obviously a move that any lakers fan listening is gonna probably get not mad at oh, me I'm, i just balled my fist exactly it's it, yeah. it, it's a quick alex caruso it's a quick <laughs> easy solution right um yeah. 
And from there, like, I think we just know – and the Lakers are fighting to make the playoffs right now. They're not They're not a move away from, oh, yeah, now we're, now we're right back. We're going to comp- compete with Memphis for the four seed. Maybe they could because the West is just so down this year. But mm-hmm. I think the Lakers are in self-preservation mode at this point. I do think they think they've got enough talent to get into the postseason, and who knows if they're healthy. Um, but honestly, if you haven't made a, a decision on whether you think Taylor Horton Tucker can help you compete for a championship in the next three seasons, because that's the window of this Lakers team. It's probably even only the next two, right? Yeah. Like, no matter how bright his future is, like I think there's a real possibility they move him for someone like Jeremy Grant. If that's a deal that gets Detroit's attention, I don't know. Um, yeah. I haven't asked anyone in Detroit if Taylor Horton Tucker would be you know, the piece I get to done because also the Lakers have limited trade assets, right? Like they don't have – I think their next first-round pick comes, what, in 2027 or something like that? Yeah, I think 2026 or seven. One of yeah. those two. It so, depends on when it purveys and stuff, the current ones. Exactly. So if you're Detroit, you know, what is that really – what's that package really do? If you're anybody, what does Taylor Horton Tucker and a first-round pick really do for you? I don't know. But even still, like the Lakers have to have – you, you can't be sitting on the fence at this point. You can you could be sitting on the fence in terms of how much you value him in terms of what he could get back, right? Mm-hmm. But if you don't know whether you think he's someone who can help you win the title with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook at this point in time, then I think that's a bigger issue unto itself. Do you think THT finishes the season with the Lakers? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think yeah. I'm starting to believe no. Um, yeah. Because everything we've talked about, they just have limited. They don't have anything else, <laughs> and they have to make a move. The, I mean, the obvious thing, the obvious strong factor pushing against this is that he's a clutch guy, mm-hmm. and he's someone that the Lakers, you know, by all accounts, did not. Or, I mean, a big reason why they don't have Kyle Lowry right now is because they weren't willing to put Taylor Horton Tucker on the table in the trade mm-hmm. talk. So, a lot of times, teams like to stand tall on, on those convictions. And sometimes you know, they, they don't want to put themselves up for the opportunity for people like you and I to say, well, they should have traded him for Kyle Lowry last year if the, all they got back was fill in the blank this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that being said, like if the time is now, which it is, yeah, you look at LeBron, and this is, I would say it's to LeBron's face, like no slash on LeBron, but, his numbers are still incredible. He's still breathtaking to watch. He's clearly not impacting winning like he was. He just clearly isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and the window of him being this type of player, it's 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 closing fast. I think everyone there feels it. So all that being said, yeah, I, I think it's more likely than ever that Taylor Horton Tucker gets moved at a deadline. But like to make a trade happen, like you do, like a lot of things need to happen, and there's going to need to be. Some like Taylor Horton Tucker is going to have to get them back someone who's like significantly more win now effective alongside LeBron and Anthony Davis than Taylor is. Like, I don't think they're trading him for Buddy Heald, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know how you get there salary wise, but that's just like yeah. a name that's been on the Lakers' radar for, for a while, for example. Like, I, I just don't think you're getting someone who, um, like I, I don't think the Lakers are making that trade. Like I don't think that's really worth it for them. I don't. I don't really know what player you 
is going to be gettable for Taylor Horton Tucker. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'll just be curious to see how like they're the Lakers are going to need to get someone back who's valuable, but mm-hmm. also how valuable a player is going to be available for Taylor Horton Tucker in a 2026 Lakers well, first round pick. Especially, especially given that the entire NBA knows that's the only asset that the Lakers have. Now that the 2026 pick or seven pick, whenever it pervades, um, or whenever they would be able to trade it is an interesting one. Cause that's going to be after LeBron and the post LeBron, but that only makes it that much more difficult than for the Lakers to, to add it into a trade, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and also, like, it's so far in the future. I mean, how many GMs have yeah. benefit of saying, I'm, I'm going to benefit from this pick in five years. It's, it's not many. Yeah. It's it's probably like Sam Presti. Like I could see that pick going to Oklahoma City, and he would hold on to that as like the next big carrot in his bag. Um, last thing here before we get out of here, Lakers are zero and five since Frank Vogel has gone down with COVID. They have looked really really bad since AD got hurt. Um, like you just talked about, it's really difficult for them personnel wise to make a change to this roster. It's a lot easier to fire a coach, but like it's been funny watching Lakers Twitter pound the drum for uh david fisdale oh my god he's got to be better than frank Vogel. he's got to be better than him and then for some reason it's all kind of fallen by the waist it's been weird it's been oddly quiet on that front from from the fan base (laughs) and yet again like you know when you're talking about only ways that the lakers can make a change and only ways that rob lincoln can look at his bosses and the fan base and say look i tried to do something um, do you think it's likely that that Vogel makes it through this season then if Taylor Horton Tucker can't be moved? It's a, it's a good point you made about um, those, those, those whispers dying down. I know it's the easiest, simplest, safest, cleanest move for them to do to make a real change, right? But mm-hmm. um, And also, you know, David Fisdell's name has been the loudest whispered uh, replacement for sure. Mm-hmm. But the Lakers also have – fired a coach midseason and gone out and hired someone from elsewhere in the either before, right? They did that with that worked out team. super duper well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying it's not impossible yeah. for them to go yeah. call up Mike D'Antoni, for example. I'm not I'm not connecting the two right yeah. now. I think he's a legitimate mm-hmm. candidate, but um like I'm just putting context clues together. I don't think that if they ever were to really decide like we gotta make a change in Vogel from Vogel, but David Fizzle is not the guy. They could still make a change. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think any move would have been reactionary. Um, and I think there, while there are certain people around the NBA who – this is going to make people mad, but, like, there are definitely people in the NBA who look at the Lakers championship in 2020 and think it was a weird circumstance in the bubble. They didn't have to play anybody. Um, blah, blah. We haven't seen Anthony Davis that good since, and that was yeah. the biggest factor there. Exactly. Um, so, but it's championship, right? You can't take it away. Frank Vogel, mm-hmm. you, you know, he built the deep, like that defense is really what set the stage for Anthony Davis to, you know, do what he did and have that offense take off. Like mm-hmm. they just, they were a force defensively all season long. And, and that was something that um, I'm sure it was a concerted effort. How often he spoke about it publicly and in the, in, in the preseason, how his number one calling card was going to be the defense. And, he, and then they, mm-hmm. you know, they had a really good defense. So we, yep. the credit goes back to Frank. Oh, I'm, I'm just a cynic, but it just yeah. is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. And you take your hat off because 
they did they did I think they were number two in defense that entire year. And ironically, as they were struggling to start this year, a, a big thing about about always follow up and the vocal chatter was, and they're not even doing well defensively anymore. Right. So they, people were kind of taking away the thing he did well. Um, and I do believe in Frank Vogel as a defensive coach being what what they did in 2020. I mean, he's the guy who invented verticality with Roy Hibbert, basically what they did with the Pacers. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know if you're going to find a better coach. I think Frank Vogel is pretty Walking down. around. And, uh, you know, David Fisdale, while he clearly has the, the, the cachet, um, he hasn't really been an effective head coach in the NBA. It's just, that's just the truth of the matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he did in Memphis was a nice little run. And I, I believe he could be an effective head coach in the right environment. Um, I, I think he could. I, don't, I think he, he's done it before, so why couldn't he do it again? Uh, but there's clearly been shortcomings with the Knicks, and um, there was some personal stuff with the Grizzlies that ultimately helped make that marriage short. So um, I know I, I think it would be pretty short-sighted and kind of silly just to think swapping Frank Vogel out for a guy who for a guy who coached with LeBron in Miami is just going to automatically change things. I think I think Vogel should see the season out, um, and I do think he will. Being that um, this structure, I do these things aren't. Um, they're not insignificant. Like I do think this stretch helped them. I really do. Yeah. It's odd. Thank goodness I caught COVID. You know, it's such a weird thing that, that can only be said in professional That's how it works. I mean, it, it's, it's just like a Kevin Durant towing the line against the buck. Yeah. Like Mike Budenholzer would have been fired. Like he would have yeah. fired if they lost that series to Brooklyn, then they win the championship. And now he's got a four year extension. <laughs> I mean, the Hawks were going to get fired if, um, the Hawks front office and coaching staff, I mean, Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce did get fired. They, they, they move on from Lloyd Pierce. Lloyd Pierce, Nate McMillan has a great run. They got three-year contract extensions in the front office. Everyone's getting promoted. So, <laughs> yeah. But these, things, these things are real. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time here because uh, it is getting, you know, even though, <laughs> even though the trade chatter is down, it's because the other chatter elsewhere all over the league is, is way up. So thank you very much, Jake, for hopping on. Again, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever is his book. You can also find his writing and his reporting at Bleacher Report. Uh, you can find that book everywhere that, that books are sold on Amazon, all, all of that. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it myself, uh, so you guys should all check that out as well. So uh, thank you very much, Jake, and, and I hope to talk to you soon. You got it, man. Thanks for having me.